Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tough Love Podcast. Today, we have a special guest and a good, dear friend of mine, Ashley Mills. Ashley is an SPT, Synergetic Play Therapist, and she specializes in generational trauma and in utero trauma. And I am so excited to have Ashley here today to share her wisdom with us and to really give us a different lens on adoption. So without further ado, Ashley, you can introduce yourself and just, yeah, what you're here to share with us. Great. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on this amazing podcast. Um, I feel really excited to just connect and explore. And while I am not an adoptee myself, I believe because of my specialties, I have attracted a lot of adoptees and a lot of families who have chosen adoption and have had the privilege of working alongside these families and learning so much um, from these kiddos. And it's just been amazing. So I feel really excited to just connect and share and have this beautiful organic conversation um, to kind of shine light on a different angle of adoption. Yeah, you're our first non-adoptee to have on the podcast. And I think it's important to hear other voices, especially as a play therapist. And you do work with a lot of adoptees. And so you get to see adoptees in this other way that a lot of people, the majority of people don't get to see. And I think it really opens this door for you to see into the adoptee world that even some adoptees aren't even aware of exists. Mm, So interesting and juicy. And I just, I feel so grateful to be connecting with you guys and have this opportunity to share because I do have such a transpersonal um, perspective on therapy. And in general, my specialty of intergenerational family trauma and in in utero birth trauma in general, I feel like is quite transpersonal because it is so largely energetic. Um, and, And so because of that orientation, I've been able to work with parents and give them different perspectives and be able to really meet these kids in such a different way, because I really do hold the belief that they are intrinsically connected to their bio families and ancestry, while also having an adoptive family. And so I think it's like really, really interesting, um, you know, coming from the belief that we inherit things, just like we inherit eye color or size or height or weight, we can also inherit trauma and coping strategies and parenting styles and different states of nervous system patterning, even if you are not living with your biological family. And so I think it's been really interesting, you know, unpacking some of that with these families that I've been able to work with, recognizing that these children are coming in with biological, intergenerational, ancestral information and genetic encoding in their systems, and then also merging with the adoptive family. You know, I think it's a little bit like nurture versus nature. And I believe rather than versus, it's both and. 
And in my experience of working with adoptive parents, there's really a lack of awareness or talk or understanding about some of these components. And it's been really interesting because I've had so many different families from what we might deem as like the most ideal adoptive scenario of like adoptive parents in the room while mom is giving birth and adoptive mom and or dad is the first one to hold the baby. You know, kind of what we idealize is like this very idyllic um, experience all the way down to a family that, you know, the little one was in Russia for four years before being adopted and, and coming here. So it's a whole variant um, of experiences. And I, I've learned a lot from parents, just like how they perceive it and how they talk about it as far as like, we did it right you know, we did it really well, you know, or this was really hard and I didn't know what I was getting into. I just, you know, wanted to provide a good life and save these kids. So in working with parents, it's a lot of myth busting and a lot of really, you know, giving a different perspective and having a more cohesive lens of really the intricacies of adoption, the impact adoption has even if adoptive mom was in the room while bio mom was laboring and she was the first one to hold the baby, there's still major implications that take place. And I just find that it's kind of a hole in the conversation of, of adoption. And, um, it's just such a, it's just such a bigger perspective, especially when, you know, I have the privilege and the gift to zoom really out and consider some more of like the energetic transpersonal spiritual aspects of it, because I, I really do hold the belief. It is so much more than just this, you know, physical experience of being born and going home with a different family. And the biggest one I hear is I just didn't think because they don't remember it, you know, for people who have the experience of it being a newborn, I didn't, I didn't think that we'd have all these challenges later on. We did it so well. So it's, it's a lot of exploring and a lot of collaborating and a lot of supporting parents to have a wider view and a deeper understanding of what may be going on with their kids neurobiologically, emotionally, spiritually, and beyond. I love that. I love this word myth busting. I think that's such a great word and such a great way to describe it. I think most of our job as adoptees is to actually myth bust. And oftentimes, even with my mom, who's an adoptee, or my relatives, or doctors, or therapists, and giving them this new lens, lens and this new education. And I like that you get to educate your the parents that you work with. I love that you get to work with these parents and myth bust for them because it takes a lot of weight off the adoptee. Mm -hmm. And we already get so much pressure all the time from ourselves, from society, from just everywhere. And so I think that's really great. And could you also, um, some people might not know the word transpersonal. Yeah. So could you give us your own definition or just how you use that and, and mm -hmm. what it means for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great clarification. 
Um, you know, for me, I think it, it really isn't all that different than spiritual. And I think spiritual can have such a charge and there's some parents who don't have a value on spirituality or it's not part of their orientation or their lens. So I just always want to be very mindful of speaking to parents in the language of their own values. Um, so transpersonal, I think like that, the true definition is like through the persona, beyond the persona. So the way I view it is it's more than just this physical reality that we live in. It's it's beyond that. So for me, when I speak about having a transpersonal orientation in the work I do, it means that I'm including the spiritual, the energetic, the intergenerational, the emotional, the physical, and not only just looking at like the finite density of the physicality, um, because I also believe in, you know, working with children, I have a very high emphasis on development and looking at development and, you know, in utero and birth is really, I believe like the first stage of development. And yet we have no conscious explicit memories of it whatsoever. Yet it is the foundation upon which all of our development grows. And so with that said, it's, it's energetic because while there may not be an explicit conscious memory, like being able to recall what you made yourself for breakfast this morning, it's implicit. It's in the unconscious and it's running in the nervous system. Like I believe it's like the, the blueprint of the entire nervous system. And so often parents adoptive or not don't often don't make connections to the in utero birth experience having an impact on development later on. And that's what I really find. And that's probably one of the biggest like ahas that I have with parents is when their child is seven or eight or 11 and they're having a behavioral challenge or an emotional disturbance. And through our work, we're kind of peeling back the layers because I really believe in trying to find the root and that these behaviors um, are a symptom of something else. And so often as we're doing the therapeutic work and peeling back the layers and exploring and trying to make sense of these dynamics that seemingly rise out of the blue, that's often what I hear from adoptive parents. Everything was fine until one day. And now we've been going through this for months or weeks or years. Like it just came out of nowhere. I'm so confused. This is often the feedback I hear. And we often can trace it all the way back to their adoption, to what happened in utero, to what their adoption story was, because I, I really hold the awareness and the belief that all adoption, no matter how quote unquote idyllic or challenging or traumatizing it was, all adoption is grief and loss. It all encompasses grief and loss. And it is impossible for a newborn baby to process and integrate and organize and make sense of that level of grief and loss and change that happened that can happen so rapidly. And so because it's not getting organized the way a fully developed brain and nervous system can organize things it gets lodged in the nervous system and in the brain and in the unconscious and just stays stuck there. 
and often shows up in later developmental stages as defiance, abnormal coping mechanisms, like emotional themes that parents are completely perplexed by. You know, for example, I have um, a child domestic adoption, um, currently a teenager, bio mom spent her pregnancy incarcerated. And this child was born into that and spent the first four months of life with bio mom while bio mom was incarcerated. So I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what kind of programs they have for a scenario such as this. This child is now a young teen. And the biggest trigger is when this child feels like they are being accused of something that they did not do. And so I have the privilege of being able to hold the awareness that perhaps that was an impact from in utero. If mom was in jail, she was likely being accused of something, whether she did it or not. And this is a person of color, right? And that whatever mom's experience was carrying a baby in jail was imprinted onto the baby, into the nervous system, into the developing brain. And whatever mom's life experiences was leading up to becoming incarcerated, now we have an intergenerational dynamic that's being passed down, perhaps, right? And this is how I, I talk with parents. Like, we don't know for sure, but perhaps there is a connection that we need to hold in our awareness so how we're supporting this child can be more in tune with the totality of this child's experience and not my 11-year-old who doesn't like to brush teeth and is always lying about it. So it's going from this seemingly small thing and zooming way out to see there is a theme here of being majorly triggered and dysregulated when feeling accused and wrongfully accused. I think what's so hard about generational trauma is that it's so hard to pinpoint. Like it's so, it's not tangible. Intangible, is that the word? It's, <laughs> it's intangible. That's why I often refer to it as transpersonal because it, it's, it's more energetic than like a physical dense thing that you can see, right? Kind of like invisible illnesses that we can't see. So I, yeah, it, it is very, very, can be very, very hard to even just talk about or make sense of. Yeah. I give a workshop on this actually. And the example, I do two examples. One is, um, so I grew up in a Jewish family, so I was raised Jewish. And I remember going to Germany and feeling nervous and being triggered and not feeling safe. And I was like, oh, this is my Jewish trauma coming through. Um, and my mom, when she was in college, got shot. She lived um but she got shot and now sometimes when i when i drive i'm scared i'm gonna get shot and so these are not my traumas not my bio trauma but my adoptive trauma and how that has deeply impacted me and so i think it's 
in the experience that I can explain and put words to, right? That's how we can talk about it and describe it and bring life to it. But when you don't have the language and it's only a behavior, I think it's so much more confusing. And that's why we have a lot of confused parents. Yes. And a lot of confused kids trying to make sense of what they're experiencing and what it means to be adopted and who they are. And, you know, it's it's very common. You know, I had another family I worked, worked alongside who had the quote unquote idyllic you know, in, in the laboring room right there. Um, and when their child was about four or five crazy out of control behaviors, just, you know, obviously they're calling me They're They're at their, their ropes end of something, right? They, they have really tried whatever they can do and they're needing additional support. So often by the time they hit my phone or my office, there's a lot of overwhelm and stress going on. And in, you know, my work, my, you know, confidential work with these parents, because they had um, an open adoption, they knew as the parents that bio mom had recently died. And that timeline matched up with their child now out of the blue, sudden crazy behaviors and emotions that they could not make sense of. So my work with them was gently supporting and leading and getting to the place where we could maybe make that correlation that perhaps their child on some implicit biological intuitive level knew bio mom had died and was now feeling the grief and confusion and complexity of that from not a fully developed adult brain, not even having the information. And then that being compounded on top of the grief and loss that takes place at the moment of adoption. And then I go even further with even in utero, if a a pregnant person is contemplating adoption, That's likely going on for the duration of the pregnancy. There could be shame. There could be blame. There could be confusion. It could have been a trauma that led to the pregnancy, right? If they're, if they choose adoption, they're contemplating that throughout the whole pregnancy, which is impacting the developing baby and nervous system and psyche and brain. So I have a lot of kiddos who have emotional themes of not being wanted, fear of rejection, as I'm sure you guys know, and I'm imagining have absolutely spoken about that these things show up later on when the brain is more developed and available to finally start unpacking that. And what a blessing that, you know, five-year-olds can do it. 11-year-olds can do it. Anyone can do it. And the younger we start it and we support these kids the better off I believe in my experience, we're setting them up for much more success for their future just by them having their cohesive narrative, knowing their story, which allows them to deepen their own understanding and even maybe even just start their exploration of who they are, who they are in the world, what it means to be an adoptee. That's a big thing to unpack. And parents need support, supporting their kids doing that work. And then whatever reason they chose adoption, whatever their story was leading up to making that decision, decision, 
And that often leads to them unpacking their grief or their traumas or their stories around it. You know, I had one mom who really, it was like really kind of like a savior complex, you know, and I asked her, you know, I often ask like, what, um, what led you to make this choice to create your family in this way? Right. And this mom said to me, when I was a teen, I saw like some type of like a 60 minutes show of orphanages in Russia and these children hanging out of the windows, sobbing. And I made a choice right then that I was going to save that one of those kids. And I was going to adopt from Russia. And she had no idea what she was getting herself into by adopting a four-year-old who had spent the first four years in the state of the orphanage in Russia before being adopted. It was coming from love, ideally, right? It was coming from heart, but then also this like kind of white savior complex that sneaks in that thinks I can give a child rainbows and unicorns. I can give this child a good life and they will be saved and they will be well with no awareness that there's going to be a lot of trauma that has to be unpacked for this child. For any child that goes through the experience of adoption, it's not really all that natural biologically. It's very confusing for the whole neurobiological system. Yeah, that's something I feel like I talk a lot about how, you know, in utero we're primed for the person carrying us. And then you're just like given, for me, I was six weeks old to this, like, you know, these two humans not prime for me, a woman who did not carry me, who like out of a lineup, I wouldn't be able to pick by like scent or whatever. Cause like in newborns can like pick out who their um, mom is. And so it is very jolting and confusing. And that is, if not the first trauma, like mm-hmm. one of the, it could already be like the second trauma mm-hmm. depending on how, depending on what womb life was like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talk about that a lot. And yeah. Then- yeah. I just recently listened to a podcast on like mammalian birth and you know, a lot of what takes place. And one of the big takeaways that really stuck with me was around basically like the communication between the hormones in the body of the baby and the body of bio mom that are, were designed together and attuned together. And exactly, yes, scent, heart rate, temperature, you know, skin to skin, all these things that these first um, stages essentially are really all about attunement, bonding, attachment, mirror neurons, like the neurobiological bodies communicating to one another, right? The skin to skin and a baby being placed on the chest is so crucial because the mother's body is designed to regulate the temperature of the baby. The baby doesn't need a hat. The baby doesn't need a blanket. Bio mom's body is designed to regulate that. And her hormones have to go through that circuit 
as the next, like the final stage of labor, essentially started going in now into postpartum. And when those things get interrupted, it's interrupting some of the most neurobiologically innate design of the foundation of our bodies, our brains, our endocrine system, the nervous system, the immune system, and on and on and on. So of course, at some point later on, kids are going to have signs and symptoms of this. Of course they are. So let's just start talking about that and normalizing that and preparing adoptive families for that and, and aligning with support and normalcy that of course these things are going to be interrupted. And that makes sense that later on developmentally, certain things will arise because the brain and body and nervous system of that child wants to heal and wants to evolve and wants to adapt. And so we have to start talking about this in a new and different way to help adoptive parents recognize the totality and complexity of making this choice. If we could help resource them more, they can help resource this child more from the get-go, no matter what age the child is at the time of adoption. Yeah, I love that. I feel like you are such an ally and advocate and we need that. So thank you. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, I think it's like we really need there are curriculums out there. There are adoption agencies who are trauma focused, who are learning this, but I think it's not as widely recognized as we really mm. need it to be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so my hope is that that definitely starts to shift. And that's a big reason why I do parent coaching. I know you do parent coaching mm -hmm. and oftentimes it really can make such a deeper impact than, than just working with the kiddo. Yes. It's so much bigger than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these parents want, want to help their children. They want to understand. Um, and so it's just incredible to, to be an ally. And I, I feel so, um, I, I really do. I feel like it's a privilege to be an ally and be a part of a family's support team and a trusted, safe person to unpack these very intimate vulnerable, confusing aspects that are just often blind spots of most people. And um, it's, it's really beautiful to help bring some of these blind spots into awareness and help parents just have a more clear, wide view of how they can most support their child based on the choice that they made to align with creating a family through adoption, you know, and with my um, orientation and emphasis on intergenerational trauma, as well as intergenerational healing, you know, I just have a huge curiosity just in general is like, how does adoption impact the next future generations? We don't really know. You know, so it's just it's just a deep and rich exploration that can really kind of just keep going and going and going. And so I think it's just so important to just overall increase the awareness that it's big. The impacts are large. And while they might feel daunting or overwhelming or scary or confusing, I really, really hold the hope and the belief that it is all workable, that we are designed to heal 
and evolve. We are oriented towards survival and we can actually make beautiful meaning out of these experiences upon helping children and parents alike integrate these experiences so it can run through the whole circuit of the nervous system and the brain so it can move from the low brain where those implicit memories are stored into the high brain where we can make meaning out of it and find symbolism in it and purpose in it and it can inform so much um and i really i I, yeah i just really hold the belief and the hope that it's all workable. We just really have to talk about it and normalize it and align with support. And, um, you know, there's this, this piece around loss and the unknown and not knowing maybe, and especially if there is culture, right? Children being taken from one culture or one lineage and put into another that, you know, it's a whole nother layer of complication because their whole system could potentially have been designed and oriented to Spanish speaking or African or anything for generations upon generations upon generations upon generations. And now they're taken out of that into a whole different culture and language and vibration. So there's not only just the loss of bio family. Now we have loss of culture, loss of language, loss of ritual, loss of rite of passage, loss of like traditional foods and practices and customs. And like I said, even though I'm not an adoptee, I'm also Jewish and have Native American lineage. And so I really understand the piece around the loss of language and culture and and these aspects. And so I think also when working with um, adoptees and adoptive families, I think it's really important to have a very multicultural approach and awareness. And that's another part of the work I love is, you know, being able to explore how can we reintroduce some of that? How can we use some of that to help the healing or possibly create a sense of empowerment? You know, even if it's just learning one phrase or one song in the native tongue or, you know, a recipe or a holiday or what have you, I just, I think that's like, that could be a whole nother conversation. And I think that's just a really crucial piece of the puzzle as well. Yes, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Um, I hope that, you know, whoever's listening is really able to take whatever nugget serves them mm-hmm. and what they can hear. This is, it's a lot to take in as every episode is yeah. here at tough love but yeah. take what serves you and you know what doesn't like if you notice it's it's hard to hear or it's not settling like that's okay mm-hmm. it's part of the mm-hmm. journey as well yeah. yeah absolutely and yeah thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this rich and dynamic complex conversation and you know I, I'm so honored and I love doing this work and I am always holding the hope that there is healing and wellness and that it's all workable. We just got to do the work. So actually, um, where can people find you? Is like there an email or something? Yeah, I mean, there's an email. I don't yet have a website, which has been both 
has actually been quite amazing because I've gotten my whole clientele through word of mouth. So that to me is a very high value because for me, it's more of that transpersonal energetic lens. Um, but I love doing consultations with parents. I love, you know, connecting and referring and supporting whether I'm, I'm helping through and through, or I'm just a stepping stone, um, leading to the next big chapter of their healing. Um, but absolutely welcome to connect, to reach out. And so my email is holding the hope zero nine at gmail.com. And if you um, feel called at all to reach out, I would be happy to do a free 30 minute consultation. If you reach out and let me know that you heard about me and my work through tough love. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you guys are doing and the incredible information you're putting out there. I'm just so grateful to be part of the conversation. All right. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on today. This has been a very informative episode. To our listeners, we will see you on the next episode. And until then, take care of yourselves and know that we love you.